Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello you guys and welcome back. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Woo-hoo. And we're back. <laughs> what, what's our tagline? I think we were going to say our new tagline is, not today, white Mormon men, not today. Oh. <laughs> yes, that is definitely it. Katie and I were like venting about the recent fucking trolls on our Instagram post and that one in particular who was just so disgusting about defending Joseph Smith and we were bitching about it and I was just like losing it this time like I had no patience and was responding to this person I don't know if you saw my my sassy responses of like do you know how social media works hashtag like being I saw them and I I saw them and I loved them. I was living for it. Um, yeah, it was it was gross. But then we were venting to each other and Sarah was like, I've had it. Not today, white Mormon men. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> loved it. I just can't um, handle it because it's always, always these white dudes. Occasionally we have a Karen or two, but it's for the most part these really annoying white dudes mansplaining all over the place and defending polygamy and pedophilia and like all of these disgusting, horrible things. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm not doing this. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that I would say I would. Yeah, I would guess like 90% of the people who really dislike us and leave us bad reviews and stuff are men, Mormon Always. Specific, which is an interesting thing to think about. But anyway, um, Sarah, do you have any announcements before we get into our very exciting episode? I don't actually this week. It's a quiet, I feel like it was a very quiet week last week and also the beginning of this one. So yeah, don't have yeah. any announcements other than happy February. Let's keep this momentum going in 2021. Mm-hmm. It seems to be starting off pretty damn good. So let's, let's keep it going. For real. Agreed. Okay. So we have a very special guest today. She is a patron and has been a listener of the show for a long time, and we feel like we know her, but our special guest today is Kelly. Hi. Hi, Kelly. Hi. <laughs> we're so happy to have you. I know that Sarah and I are both, we're friends on like social media and stuff with you, so I feel like I know you. It's kind of interesting, but we're so happy to it's have you here weird. And, and to tell your story, because I know it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think it'll be, from what I know, which I know I'm, I don't know everything, but I'm sure it'll be very inspiring for many people. So we're excited to have you on and to hear how you got out of Mormonism. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I found you guys uh, after my dad had passed and I was having a really hard time with, you know, just accepting the realities of, you know, not not being Mormon anymore and um, what that entails when somebody passes. And you guys were awesome. Like, seriously, such such incredibly inspiring, uplifting women. And I just want to thank you for if you can hear my cat in the background, he doesn't like it when I talk. So um, (laughs) what's your name? Cheeto. 
<laughs> is like the biggest shithead. Um, but he's 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 an interesting little tabby, and he likes to to let me know exactly how he feels. So anyway, um, sorry. he's the first cat on our show. So he I is. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome, Cheeto. Cheeto. You're a star. Oh my god, I love Cheeto. But thank you for those really kind words. That's it. It's always really nice to hear that. And I feel like, I don't know, just so honored that people even listen, but let alone that we can be some source of comfort, especially in those hard times. So thank you. Exactly. And especially in our first few episodes, the fact that that brought you any type of comfort (laughs) is amazing. (laughs) The struggle. First episode was like five hours long or something. It was so long. It was just me talking and constantly talking and loving the sound of my ex Mormon voice. That's all it is. The first three episodes. And I'm like, so then let's talk about sex. So he went in and he touched my arm and then like all the details. I'm so sorry, listeners. It was a lot. It was no, it was so, so worth it. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's awesome to see how much you guys have grown, and you know, Sarah, you actually like researching occasionally. It's like <laughs> mind blowing. Kelly, I love the shade. I'm living for it. Please continue to throw it. Oh god. So, um, I guess just like a little bit about myself is, you know, I grew up in the church. I was born um, under the covenant. My mm-hmm. parents had converted when they were newly married with three young kids. My, um, my mom had just lost a baby. Well, she had a miscarriage and then she had a stillborn. And so, yeah, it was just really hard, really, really hard for her emotionally. I don't know how she even wanted to have kids after that, but, um, they found the church and like, I think they watched, what's that show that, um, Saturday night's warrior. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. 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 We should so, do like an episode about that because that was also something else. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah. Yeah. Like I know all the songs. I was in it when we did it at my stake one year. So, my God. yeah, that's an experience. Saturday Night Warrior. <laughs> the, it basically deals with pre existence and, and all that jazz. And mm-hmm. so it really touched my mom and my dad and uh, gave them some comfort that they needed. And um, so, you know, the, my whole family was born and raised in the church and we um, grew up like outside of Utah. So we were like growing up in Texas, which is a completely different vibe than Utah Mormons, you know, Sarah, growing up in Georgia. I know. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was a major part of our lives. Like that's where we had our friends. That's where we, you know, had all of our extracurricular activities, you know, growing up was through the church. Um, And then I moved, we were living in a, a, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And then when I got older, we moved to um, Northeast Texas, this tiny little town in Northeast Texas. And so my ward boundaries like included Oklahoma and it was just all over. So, yeah. So I was like the only Mormon in my school. Oh, Kelly, we're the same. Okay. Yes. I was that weird little Mormon girl who I would just make out with all the boys, but I wouldn't do anything else. Um, but <laughs> I didn't get any of that. Sorry. No. <laughs> I was a little, like, what do they call it? Like a lip whore or something? Oh, um, yes. Yeah, that's what they call me at BYU. I was one of those too. I am um, there with you. Well, I was righteous because I was um, a VL. 
I had a virgin left. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Sarah, I had not heard the term VL. I don't think I've heard that in like 15 years. <laughs> and it's like you took pride in it. I would be like, oh, on a first date. Well, you know, I'm a VL. So. <laughs> Did you like secretly want to not be a VL? Oh my God. I hated it. I was so mortified <laughs> about it. Like I didn't actually want people to know. Like I was really <laughs> of shamed. Anyways, sorry, Kelly, it's not about me. It's not going to turn into an episode two where I'm talking about sex again. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm, I'm down for it, whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, being the only Mormon at school in a small town high school in Northeast Texas, like, I mean, tiny, my graduating class, we had 42 kids. <gasps> Are you and, kidding? And no. I Whoa. And I, yeah, like 42 kids. And I actually said the prayer for um, our graduation. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible <laughs> yeah so um you know I feel like a lot of people kind of judge the church based on me um and sorry about it but I mean I wasn't perfect I wasn't a perfect kid but I was extremely driven and um type a like super you know focused always wanted to do everything because it, this goes back to the Mormon thing is like you know in the Mormon church, you're, you're taught that you're supposed to strive for perfection, right? Mm -hmm. But that's like setting you up for failure because there's no way you're going to be perfect. They're like strive for perfection, but you'll never get there. So exactly. Yeah. It's setting you up for, yeah, it's like you need to strive to be this, but you'll never actually be it. So (laughs) well, yeah. yeah. And then if you're really good at something, then you have to be humble about it and you can't Uh brag about it. (laughs) because then you're, you're not humble. And so like, you know, I tried everything. Like I was involved in everything because with having a small school, I could literally do whatever extracurricular I wanted. Like I was in band, I was in color guard. I decided senior year, somebody told me I couldn't be a cheerleader. And I was like, well, watch me. And so I was. (laughs) (laughs) And I was still in the color guard and I was still in the band and I was still, you know, I played basketball very badly. Um, you know, I just did everything because I was trying to find my niche because mm-hmm. I wasn't artistic. I didn't scrapbook or bake, <laughs> you know, things or sing or play the piano or anything like that. So I felt like I didn't have any talents. Oh, um, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And be- because I think a lot of times the Mormon church puts so much emphasis on the woman being womanly and you yeah, know, being yeah. able to sing and you know being mm-hmm. perfect and beautiful and um yeah. so and they really do emphasize that like like you just said your quote-unquote talents and I I just remember feeling like every single time there was any kind of program or church related thing they'd be like what talent are you going to share or how are you going to better serve the church with your talent and I was kind of the same as you I was like I don't know like I don't yeah. know I do yeah it. Yeah, I'm like, I can, my talent, my stunt when I tried out for cheerleading, this just tells you how small the school was, was a, like a round off. But is that what they're called? That's a cartwheel. I was like, I can just do a little cartwheel on stage. That's my talent. (laughs) I'm here for it. (laughs) I, you know, I just wasn't very good at anything. And, um, but I was kind of like big, big fish, little pond because, I was going to such a small school and I was able to do all these things. It was fine. You know, I was popular, had lots of friends. And um, then I went to BYU. <laughs> oh, no. And, yeah, that's that's kind of where it all started. And, you know, my freshman roommate, 
who I'm still, you know, Facebook friends with today. Um, she, you know, walks in the first day and she is Miss Riverton. She's a pageant girl. She can oh, sing, boy. she can dance. She's like super stylish with her clothes. She's very thin, gorgeous, and really a sweet, sweet person. And then here I am from, you know, bumfuck Texas. And I come in <laughs> <laughs> and I have my, you know, Texas accent and I'm wearing like, you know, just regular clothes. Cause I didn't know that there was like the whole, you have to wear a white t-shirt under tank top thing. And <laughs> man, this is ringing so true on every level for me. I'm living for Are you it. having like PTSD? Like, yeah, I, I really am. My old pictures. And I was like, Oh wow. Um, okay. oh, so, you know, I, I felt very small next to her and, and that's not her fault. That's definitely me. Like not having the self-confidence um, in, in myself or, you know, how I looked, I, I wasn't asked out on dates. I, I wasn't, uh-huh. um, noticed. And so it was, it was very hard for me coming from a place where I was like, you know, one of the, the big men on campus and going to, to BYU and realizing that it's a completely different world. And the, the girls that get noticed were thin and this is me, this is what I'm perceiving. Um, we're thin and blonde and, um, you know, just beautiful, perfect girls because me, I, your perception is, is I think most people's perception when they, that's exactly the experience I have. And I mean, you, you've heard on episodes where like, I was even told that from Mormon guys, like, oh, you know, your face is like, it's pretty and it's okay, but like your body and like, or they would like compare me to like the, the ideal, um, blonde, perfect woman in the ward, you know, or like they would, the guys would like go on and on and on about specific women in the ward. And if you weren't that person, you were just like, oh, (laughs) well, and if you didn't look good in the ward menu, you know, like, exactly. Ew. (laughs) It gives me the heebie jeebies. I hate it. Yeah, it's it's super jacked up. And so I just kind of, you know, floundered and just felt lost. I felt very lost. Like I just didn't quite fit in because I didn't. I mean, I, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, I really, you know, I just I wanted to have fun and I wanted to date and I wanted to get married because that was literally what we were taught was like, yeah, you know, oh, you're going to BYU. I would tell that to anybody. They're like, you're going to BYU. You're going to get your MRS degree. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, so excited. All these guys are going to ask me out. And then it didn't happen. And um... <laughs> this is bringing back so many memories. Oh, my God. <laughs> so sorry about the trauma. Oh, but... <laughs> no, I love it. Keep going. <laughs> so I finally, um, one of my, my friends from my home ward in Texas had, uh, a younger brother that was attending BYU. And so they, they were like, Hey, why don't you get to know Kelly? And so I met this guy and his name was Hiram. Oh, and my God. Yeah. Okay, I have to stop you. And anyone who's listening, who didn't grow up Mormon, Hiram is such a Mormon name. That was Joseph Smith's brother's name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> his name was Hiram and he was pre-mish, which meant he was pre-mission, which like at the time, you know, I was like 17 years old when I went to BYU and I was like, I do not want to date a pre-missionary because oh I'm God. here to get married. Oh, you're a baby. I know. I was a total baby. And so I met Hiram and we started dating and he was, he was beautiful. He was just this 
gorgeous guy and I'm pretty sure he's gay now but um he's this gorgeous guy and he um you know was like my first real Mormon boyfriend and he had a girlfriend at the time who was living in his hometown of Seattle and when he met me he broke up with her but he like kept telling me you know about her and how she was a model and how you know she's so beautiful and and you know she's so sweet and she's so you know she can sing she's working on an album all this kind of shit and here I am like zero talents I'm going to school and I'm like barely passing my classes because you know I didn't know how to study I didn't know what school was supposed to really be like and um you know I'm just on the struggle bus and so when you know I started working out I started um thinking okay you know I need to keep this guy because you know nobody else is going to be interested in me and so I started Yeah, I started going to like these step aerobics classes and I kind of fell in love and I lost, you know, the freshman 15. And then when summer came around, you know, we were still together and he was going back to Seattle and I was going back to Texas and he, um, I knew he was going to be around his ex-girlfriend and I was seriously stressing out about that. And his parents were like super, super old school and they absolutely hated it when girls would call their boys on the phone like oh my god yeah I was supposed to just let him take the lead on everything and he was supposed to call me I know so freaking weird like and if I called him like I I would I, I think I only called him one time during that summer and I had such anxiety I had a panic attack because his mom answered and I just knew she was going to hate me and you know it was going to be terrible but so I had no control in that relationship and I felt very much like in order to keep him I had to use that summer to kind of get perfect Mm -hmm. so I uh, started you know really restricting my calories and I was working out every day you know multiple times a day and it got to the point where I lost probably 20 or 30 pounds and normally I weigh you know 145 is is kind of my happy spot and so I was down I'm pretty sure I was less than that when I got back to school. I was, I mean, I was less than 45. I mean, I was less than like 115. I was, I was hovering about (gasps) 110. And on my frame, yeah, like I'm bigger boned. I'm a tall girl. I'm like 5'8", 5'7", 5'8". And um, I was just tiny. Oh, that like makes me sad. Yeah. And, you know, I was extremely depressed extremely depressed. And, um, I was so obsessed with food and calories and, you know, exercising and things like that. When I got back to school, people didn't recognize me, um, because I looked completely different. Uh, and my boyfriend, we, we ended up going and buying, um, the season tickets for BYU football together. And then right after that, he broke up with me because he was like, you're just no fun anymore. You're just, (gasps) you're, you're, yeah. Literally. So that pushed me even deeper. And I, um, you know, I was like, I'm going to be sitting next to this motherfucker during all of the football games. I was like, this is not going to happen. So um, I didn't even go to the football games. I was just like, I just can't, I just can't do that. But Oh yeah, no way. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I was, that pushed me even deeper. I was like, well, I'm not good enough. And that's kind of been my mantra in my entire life is that I'm not good enough. And you know, when I was talking about this later with my mom, I was like, you know, I never got complimented when I was younger. And, um, you know, with, and I, I feel like I blame the church for a lot, but I think that it's appropriate because I, the church has, 
the church really did fuck a lot of people up me and Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. My husband is like, literally everything is, is the church's fault. Um, Mm -hmm. but my parents didn't compliment me and I always, you know, tried so hard to, to get that external validation. Um, and with the church, you know, putting so much emphasis on women being perfect and being beautiful and, and being that perfect Mormon to get a husband. And in order to get a husband, you have to look a certain way. You have yeah. to act a certain way. Um, and so I felt like I was never pretty enough, smart enough, talented enough. And I asked my mom about it and she was like, well, we just never complimented you because we thought you knew and we didn't want you to get a big head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh and my I was God. just like, I want you to be humble. I know exactly. And I'm like, exactly. So, so you'll continue to be humble. And I think humble really means that you just think you're shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <of> shit. Like, <laughs> You don't have any confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, after, after Hiram broke up with me, I got even deeper into the the depression and, um, I took like fast Sundays to the, a whole new level. Like just, I loved fast Sundays because nobody would ask me why I wasn't eating. Um, oh. and it got to the point where, you know, I wasn't having my period. I was having bad dreams every night because I would bad dreams. This is what's so sad. I would dream that I would make a cake and I would eat it and I would wake up panicking oh my gosh my heart hurts for you it, my it heart hurts awful. and I I just relay on so many levels and you express it perfectly so I'm gonna say it at the end but I'm gonna say it now that I'm I'm confident and I'm sure that your story is going to resonate with so many of our listeners I'm just sitting here like speechless right now yeah I what's sad is my story is not unique in any way um, but I think it's something that doesn't get talked about enough no. because no. there's such a stigma related to eating disorders. Right. Um, and it's something that you deal with for the rest of your life. Yep. Um, cause it's not, it's not, I didn't starve myself thinking, Oh, I look amazing. I look great. I hated what I saw in the mirror mm. and I like hated how my clothes fit. And I like, it was just, you you don't love what you look like <laughs> when you're no. doing that. And no. people think it's all about that, but it's about control. And yeah. that was the one thing I could control was what I put into my body. And um, yeah, and I got so many dates. So many guys asked me out. Like there was one point where I was dating four guys at once. And um, what's funny is two were named Jared and two were named Ryan. And my roommates, my roommates would make life miserable for me because they would answer the phone. They'd be like, which Ryan are you? <laughs> so, um, but I was getting dates, but it wasn't with quality people. It was with people that I would, I was like dating them and, and getting to know them. And they were like, oh, this one guy, he said, um, I was like, you know, what do you look for in, in a girl? And he's like, well, I just like really skinny girls. Oh, oh my like, God. I was like, duly noted. <laughs> Oh, so. wow. And I feel like there's something, something here and I I could be wrong, but I just feel like the type of guy that would go for, it almost feels almost like predatory when mm-hmm. they want to go after someone that they can probably tell is feeling a bit weak or a bit down and then has made themselves physically small and physically sick. It's like they can almost like control that person. It just yeah. feels really icky to me. That because well, you're extremely vulnerable. Extremely yeah. vulnerable. And also, it's just another, like, when you're in that mindset already, which 
again, I can totally relate. Like when I, I, I went home after my freshman year and like my family was like, okay, you're going on a diet. And like, anyways, point is I like went on this like quote unquote diet for the summer, but really I just starved myself for like a few months. Yeah. And then I, I lost like 30 something pounds in two months, came back to Utah and I was in the same ward as the people from the previous year. So it was like all the same people. They had never, none of the guys had ever given me any type of attention, never went on a date, nothing like that. I came back and then instantly they were like, oh yeah, like, you know, some of the guys were asking me out, the same guys who never paid me any attention. So when you're in that state already, it's validation. Like, oh, okay, yep, yep, I'm doing good. Like I lost weight and I look a lot better. And even if it was causing me, health issues or I was starving myself, it's okay because they're validating that. They're saying oh. that that's worth it. Yep. And oh, that yeah. was just the mentality. So you continue to do it because you're like, if I stop, then I won't get asked out anymore and I can't get married. Exactly. That's yep. exactly what it is. Yeah. Yep. So um, after a while, like I, I went to the doctor because I wasn't having a period and she um, was like, you know, concerned, obviously, because I was coming in and my BMI, like, my body fat percentage was like 11%. Like, it was oh really low for a girl. And when when it's winter in Utah, it's, it's oh, freaking cold. Freezing. And if you don't have any body fat, like, it's, the, I was cold all the time. I bet. All the time. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, I, you know, just kind of dated around, dated some guys, and then, um, you know, Obviously, I wasn't fun because I was always, you know, whenever we would go out to eat for dinner, it was, I was so stressed because I couldn't pick anything. I didn't know what to eat. I was, and it would take me like hours to just decide what I wanted to eat. And when it would get there, it would be wrong because there would be butter in it. And I was just like, I can't eat this. And Uh it wasn't like, it was weird because I felt like other people could. And like when I would bake things and give things to people, I was like, they can eat this because they won't get fat, but I will. And yeah, it was just twisted. Um, But eventually, like working with my doctor and I was working with a therapist, um, I got to where I started eating again and I started to put on a little bit of weight. And I had gone to the doctor for a follow-up visit and she had prescribed me um, Xanax and uh, I think it was... Prozac or something um, because I was having panic attacks like in the middle in the middle of class there was this one time I started having a panic attack in the middle of class and I went to the bathroom and um, I mean my panic attacks are are ugly (laughs) they're very um, Uh gastro so (laughs) these poor girls oh I feel you yeah (laughs) these poor girls are changing and in this bathroom and I come out and they're like are you okay it's like no no I'm not but uh, (laughs) anyway so the doctor was like okay you're you know you're starting to put on a little bit of weight I'm really happy with this that's like the worst thing you can tell somebody who's anorexic Mm -hmm. and hasn't really gotten help right so that turned into um bulimia um because I got to where I was eating again and I liked eating and I was like okay this is great but I couldn't stand the feeling of food in my stomach because I was like I don't deserve this and I would end up purging um like my my roommates tried to stage an intervention because one night I was purging so much like I was in the bathroom for like an hour and I, I just kept trying and trying to throw it up because 
I felt like there was still something in there. And so I was just like, they could hear me, um, which was pretty mortifying. But uh, yeah, so I became very bulimic. I was purging like 20 times a day. Um, I would eat and I would throw up and I would eat and I would throw up and I wouldn't eat. And I would think there's probably something still in there. So I would go throw up. Uh, and I woke up one night and I was having really severe chest pains and I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, so I go to the hospital and it turns out like the, um, the part of the esophagus, like the, the sphincter that connects the esophagus to the stomach was like totally inflamed because of, you know, the constant oh, acid. Yeah. 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 So at oh. that point, um, I wasn't actually enrolled in school. I had taken a little bit of a break because I felt like I needed mentally to take a break. Um, so I, I went home to kind of try and get better. And my parents didn't get me any counseling, no therapy or anything. I just... Um, I just tried to to heal on my own and um, went back to school uh, a couple months later and um, I was just going to work that semester and that's when I met my first husband and I was yeah ooh, I was 19 so this <laughs> I didn't was know my sophomore year reaction to make sorry I was like is he a good ex-husband or is this gonna be <laughs> so I'm just like another oh. podcast <laughs> um, no, so I actually met my, my husband, my first husband, um, off campus and, uh, you know, I was extremely vulnerable at the time I was 19 years old and I had, you know, gone through all this, uh, these health issues and still, they were still a problem. I wasn't healthy at all. Um, I was better, but I wasn't where I needed to be. And um, I felt like I was kind of old and washed up at 19. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I met him and he was 26 and he, you know, had a job. And I was like, OK, you know, he has a job. He's older. He seems to have his shit together. I'm sorry, his shiz together. As they would say <laughs> at <BYU. laughs> Shiz. <laughs> and um, we dated for two months. And he asked me to marry him. And because he asked, I said, yes. God, two months. Mm -hmm. That is so scary to me. Like, I just got, like, prickly, scary goosebumps. Like, you don't know who that person is. No, you don't. So I, you know, decided that I was, it was a good idea to, to marry this person that I barely knew. And because I didn't think that anyone else would want me. Um, I wasn't attracted to him ever. That wasn't like, it literally was just, he'll be a good husband. He'll be a good father. And you know, he's, he's Mormon. So there you go. Um, wow. That sounds yeah. so sad. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> so I ended up marrying this guy. Like we basically dated for two months, um, got engaged. And then I moved to Texas, uh, to get ready for our, um, you know, marriage impending marriage and he moved to Georgia so um, oh is he from Georgia no he had a, a brother who lived there and so he decided that we were going to start our marriage in in Georgia so I was like okay um and we worked oh, together awesome. for the two months that we were engaged so wow we literally knew each other for four months before we were married and I had no idea who this person was but oh wow, wow. 
before I got married, I got really bad cold feet and I was like, I can't do this. I, I just can't do this. And, um, I remember telling my mom, I was like, I just, I don't think I can go through with this. And she said, um, well, Kelly, you can always get a divorce. <gasps> oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh. I'm, so, I'm not even surprised. Like, yeah. It, it's just so, I don't know. I feel like sadly it's kind of typical like well it's better that you get married and try and then maybe get a divorce versus just stay single because being single as a woman in mormonism is like one of the worst things you can be and i was 19 you're 19 years old you can't even legally like gamble or drink i can't drink (laughs) that's insane that's so wild i mean i have a 16 year old son and so that would be three years Whoa. Him getting married. Like, no. (laughs) Um, So I, uh, you know, I just, I still was questioning it. And so my parents had the home teacher come over and give me a blessing. And, you know, I just was like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, you know, I can't disappoint anyone because, you know, also part of being a woman in the Mormon church is you are to please everyone, make everyone feel comfortable and serve people. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't be an inconvenience to anyone. No, not at all. Like, you want everybody to like you. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and I married this guy. And um, it was it was not an awesome marriage. It was, like, I had no idea what love was until I um, met my current husband. But wow. um, and I was just, I was like, this is, this is what I'm going to do, you know? Like, I'm going to go and marry this guy and it'll be fine. We'll be friends. Um, and you know, that's more important than, you know, being sexually attracted to your husband. That's, that's like not important. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yeah. So throughout the whole marriage, I was, I was kind of a mess because again, I'd never really dealt with the eating disorders. And, um, I like, I turned from anorexia and bulimia and then I went into, um, exercise bulimia where I was like working out three or four hours a day Uh, wow yeah so I I am very compulsive and once I I I become kind of obsessive about things and generally like it's something to like exercise or food or or something like that so um yeah so I did that and uh you know after a while that that got to where I was getting injured all the time and so um I would imagine you know what? your body is just under that constant stress and you're overworking it, right? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, it, seriously, it fucks up your metabolism, too, because um, you'll – so if you if you restrict yourself a lot and then finally start eating again, you tend to, to gain more weight because your body is like, mm-hmm. you know, is she going to go into starvation? Mode right. And so I had all these fluctuations of weight throughout my life, and it's just, you know, it's it, – hard on my psyche because I I have yet to kind of accept the fact that it doesn't necessarily matter what I look like. It's what I am on the inside. And, um, I have to, like, I've been working with an amazing therapist for a few years, just trying to, to work through all of this, but, um, it's, it's hard because like, I'm probably getting off track a little bit here, but like you try to do these positive affirmations and things like that. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that um, where you, mm-hmm. you tell yourself I'm enough, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could never do that. 
I, yeah. I still cannot do that because it feels like you're not being humble. It feels like there's too much self-love that um, uh, isn't like it's super screwed up. You're, you're yeah. supposed to accept yep. yourself for who you are, but yet you can't because then you're, you're being conceited or right. Um, right. yeah. So um, anyway, I decided that what was going to fix me was having kids and um and you know make the marriage stronger so we we were married for about six years before we we had kids and um it did help like having those babies and you know nursing my babies and things like that 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 helped me a lot as far as you know realizing that my body has purpose right yeah um and uh after you know having the kids and stuff i i just stayed fit like I, I didn't get too crazy into it. I, I uh, was a really bad stay-at-home mom. And that's another thing I felt like I failed at in, in the Mormon church is that I, I didn't feel like that was enough um, mm. staying home. Mm. I, I just, I wasn't somebody who liked cleaning my house. I wasn't somebody who wanted to scrapbook. I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want to teach my children. Like, you know, I didn't want to homeschool. I was like, you know, I want to, go out and do things and so yeah do those like elaborate family home evening dinners oh with God. all the different like crafts and little treats and stuff that sounds so exhausting yes you know that actually makes me think of this family home evening that I did with um my family was they, they had these little scripture like family home evenings you could get it's like cartoons on dvd and uh -huh. it was the joseph smith story <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I watched it the other day, and oh then I watched the South Park episode, and I was like, I wonder if I could do a family home new evening with my boys doing this. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God. We need to get our hands on one of those, Sarah, and have a reaction episode to it. I will send it to you, because it is really good. I bet. Yeah. So, um, but, God, where was I? Um, um, you had kids, kids oh. feeling like you weren't worthy enough because you didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And um, so I started, you know, teaching aerobics on the side because, you know, it has to be something. And um, I, I gained a lot of confidence that be, doing that because before I had started teaching aerobics and, and kind of getting out into the real world, all I had were friends that were in the church mm -hmm. and um, like, that's one thing that is, is nice about the church, but it, it's also has a really bad backside because you um, anywhere you move, you, you have a ward family, right. And mm -hmm. they're all going to, you know, you'll be there, you're, you'll work together, service, you kind of get accepted, you get invited to do MLMs, you're, you're part of a family. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know it, it's easy to make friends so I didn't know how to make friends outside of the church um so you know I'm making like I'm teaching aerobics and I'm making friends this way and I'm like okay this is this is what a real friendship is like you know you don't have to <laughs> yeah. be drinking the same Kool-Aid it's cool um mm -hmm. and then I I, I got into riding bikes and I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Like this is something I can do with my body. My body's a machine, you know, it helped kind of reprogram 
how I was looking at the way my body worked. And I gained a lot of confidence doing that. And, you know, my husband and I had been kind of like pretty much living separately. Uh, we slept in different rooms. There was no relationship uh, as far as the a marital relationship goes. And, you know, I started throwing myself into, into cycling and he, he's like, why are you doing this? You're never going to go pro. Oh, and, well, right. Oh my God. <laughs> Because you have to go pro at something to enjoy it. Okay. Right. And so I was like, oh, you know, and I almost quit. And because I was like, well, there's, there's really no point because I did want to race. I did want to be competitive, but I was like, yeah, you're right. I'll never go pro. So what's the point? Oh, Um, God. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? (laughs) Fuck you. I'm going to stick with this because it's something I enjoy. And I had never done anything for myself like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started riding and then I got onto a race team and I felt so like there was this whole world out there that I'd never experienced. And, um, finally I had gone onto a team training camp, um, and with, with my cycling team and I got back from it and I was like, I just, I just can't do this marriage thing anymore. I just can't. Um, and so I, I told my husband, I was like, I, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't care. I just, I can't do this anymore. So uh, we had a really ugly divorce and um, my boys well, how are actually. Was re- reaction? Sorry, I'm just going like... to. Oh, no, he was like, kind of. So I was pretty much the, um, the one who dictated how the relationship went. So whatever mm-hmm. I said went, I, I'm an extremely strong personality. I know that's really hard to believe, but <laughs> I, I was just kind of like, this is, you know, this is how the marriage is. This is how it's going to work. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what you're going to do. And it's going to work. It's going to be fine. And then finally, when I was like, I mean, this was a year uh, of process of me just kind of like coming unglued. And at this time, this was when I was having my questions about the church. Um, I was, I was hanging out with friends and getting to know people. And uh, I was like, man, you know, I really want to drink. Like, I really want to experience life. And I know that's, that's so classic. Like members are gonna be like, oh, well she left the church because she wanted to drink. And no, that's, that's not it. Like I stayed in the church and I just started drinking. So those two did not (laughs) go hand. Exactly. Like my husband was, was kind of confused about what was going on with me, but, um, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm totally cool to stay in the church. I just, I, I just kind of want to experience life a little bit. And so I did. And then, uh-huh. um, when I, I just realized that through doing that, I was just like, I, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I started looking outside of the church uh-huh. and seeing all those voids and seeing how, you know, so much is, is placed on the woman just being a wife and just being a mother. And if you try to to do anything else, then what's wrong with you? Why, mm-hmm. you know, why can't you be happy with your, your, your heavenly calling of being a right. mother? Yeah. Um, so finally, when I told my husband, I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Um, I was still going to church. I was still an active member. And when we got uh, separated, I was still in the same ward as him. Oh God! Wait, can I ask one question? Sorry, how yeah. many years into the marriage was this? Ten. Ten. <gasps> wow. Oh, okay. I was married for ten years. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it was funny because on our tenth anniversary, 
we went out to dinner. I looked at him and I said, we're not going to make it to 11. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and on top of that, I want some wine. Well, no, I, was, I was literally <laughs> sipping on a beer and I was like, we ain't going to make it to 11. <laughs> um, so, uh, that, you know, I was having those questions about the church and um, we were in the same ward and I stopped going because it was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. nobody ever reached out to me ever. Wow. You know, that like people. slightly surprises me, I guess, a little bit because of the pushiness of Mormons. But then when you realize that your ex-husband was in the same ward, it also doesn't surprise me because they like don't want to ruffle feathers and like just keep him like placated in a way. So I right. and they yeah. usually pick a side too. like from mm-hmm. what I've seen, like when my brother got divorced from his wife and she was very active in Mormon and she was in the same ward as us. She like told all of these horrendous lies and stuff. So basically all the members like joined her side and were like, he's the bad one. So wow. we're going to join her. Like, yeah. And it was really nasty stuff that was going on with the members, which isn't surprising now, but at the time yeah. I was really confused by it. But anyways, yeah. And it, yeah, like that's exactly what happened um, because I was the one who chose to leave. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. Because I couldn't, I couldn't, I had been working as a aerobics instructor. Like I didn't have a real job. I, I had nothing. I literally had nothing. And I was like, I can't afford to keep the house because this is too much for me. Um, so I moved out into this little one bedroom apartment and um, nobody helped. It was just me. Um, uh-huh. And you know, there I am alone, like trying to, to start my life again with these two babies. And, um, it made me realize that the, the friends that I had, they weren't friends. And so it it was so confusing to me because I was just like, I thought that friends were supposed to be there for you during your, your most difficult times, even if they don't agree with you, but they were going on Facebook and like, you know, bashing me. (laughs) Um, like, I can't believe somebody would be so selfish when they have children. That was one of my best friends I want to punch them. Ew. Like, how dare you be so selfish to take care of yourself? Like, just care of your mental health and realize you're not happy. Like, it's actually better for your children than to that you're not happy in. Like, Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, Because there's, there's no way. Like, we, my, my husband and I were miserable together um, because I treated him like crap because I was so unhappy and um, he was, we, we fought all the time and yeah. that, that's not an environment that you want your kids to grow up in. Oh. Oh. So, um, so yeah, that, that's really screwed me up as far as um, developing friendships as well, because I always felt like it was, uh, friendships were very, um, what I could bring in the relationship. And if I wasn't yeah. giving them something, they wouldn't want to be my friend anymore because I, it like totally screwed me up. Um, losing that entire support system during yeah. the yeah. most difficult time of my life. And that of course kicked me back into the eating disorder because I had no control over anything. I started using, um, you know, exercise and not eating to, to get that control back. So it was just, it was a really, just a very, very, very dark time. Um, So I stopped going to church. I met my husband, my current husband, who is um, amazing. 
he's he's wonderful. Uh, poor guy has had to deal with all of my um, PTSD that I have surrounding you know leaving the church. But uh, oh, we fill you on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All of our our partners are champions in that they sense. Are. Like mm-hmm. it's. I, I know he gets so sick of it because I'm like, I'll like pause the movie we're watching. I'm like, oh, by the way, did you know what the Mormon church did? <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> that's our lives like all yep. the time too. I feel yes. like that's why it's so nice to have the podcast where I can talk about it as much as I want and not like barrage my poor partner all the time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I found with listening to you guys. It's just, you know, somebody who understands mm-hmm. and has been there. Um, so I continued to like, believe that the church was true to the point where I even got a tattoo of a, of a book of Mormon scripture on my wrist. No, what? what? (laughs) So, um, after, after the divorce and, um, you know, getting remarried and I had to move to Austin, um, because of my ex, that's a long story, but. I, you know, had been through some really challenging times. And so the scripture that really stuck out to me was Ether 1227. And it's Your the one where. made to strength. Yes. It's, you know, <laughs> God gave you weaknesses so that you'll be yep. humble. Yep. And if you humble your, yourself before him and have faith in him, he'll make weak things become strong. Oh, so, my God. I'm covering my mouth now just because. <laughs> This whole story is incredible, but also just that you got that tattoo and also that Sarah knew what that scripture was. <laughs> scripture mastery, you have to know. Yeah. <laughs> my seminary days, those scriptures are forever branded in my head. Like Yes, brainwashing. Um, so, so do you yeah. still have the tattoo? I do. I'm looking at it right now. Wow. Um, oh. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not sure what to do with it, but I mean, the meaning behind it is, is pretty, is pretty great that, you know, you can yeah. go through some really shitty times and, and yeah. stronger through it. But I mean, yeah. So I don't really want Joseph Smith quotes on my body, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I've, I actually have never heard that, that um, a scripture referenced as a Joseph Smith quote, but that's what it is. That's it is. brilliant. <laughs> So I was still like, you know, believing and going kind of because in the the divorce decree, my ex had it written in there because he was afraid that I was going to become this, you know, non-Mormon, not go to church, lead his children astray. He had written in the freaking decree that he would have the boys for three, four hours on Sundays, every Sunday, regardless of whether it was or not. So he had the boys on Sunday so that he would take them to church because, you know, I was a heathen. Oh, and then finally, um, I, I thought that that was kind of bullshit because every time I had to go out of town, I would have to ask, ask my ex-husband's permission. So. Yeah. And also like, what if your kids didn't want to go to church? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, that? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And my youngest doesn't, but, um, my kids are still being raised in the church and it's, it's a very, that's something that, that if keeps me up at night because I, I don't have that ability to be as open and honest with them as I would like out of fear mm-hmm. of them being told that I am, you know, uh, I am an apostate. 
I'm somebody that they, they shouldn't associate with. That you're being um, led astray by Satan, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that's something I worry about, like, when they get older, if they're going to be told that I'm somebody that they should avoid, because, oh. yeah, so that's that's a whole different ball of wax, but, um, yeah, so... Um, finally, I think it was about five years into my, my current marriage. Um, I had been going back to church and I was actually teaching Relief Society. And um, I think we were teaching, I want to say it was like Joseph Smith was the prophet that we were supposed to be teaching about. Uh-huh. And it just started not feeling right to me. I was like, this just doesn't, this just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and so I started researching, and then I found Satan stole you away. Satan (laughs) told me to go to the LDS website, (laughs) yeah, right, (laughs) and look up the gospel topic essays, right. I found that, and I was just like, what really, like, totally did me in was the um the multiple versions of the first vision. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. and I that was what kind of opened it all and then you know that leads to the um CES letter and then that leads to the book of Abraham and I was just like Mm -hmm. mind blown so um I I told my Relief Society president that I didn't want to teach Relief Society anymore and she asked why and I said because I don't believe and she says that's okay (gasps) oh She's like, you're such a great teacher and we just really appreciate you. So um, it's okay that you don't believe just as long as you teach and you know, you'll know, you gain a testimony through bearing a testimony. Oh. And I was just like, I said, I'm not okay with that. Like, yeah. I, I can't teach people the, this, this stuff that isn't true. So right. um, yeah, so I finally just stopped going to church altogether and um, you know, dipped into the whole Mormon Stories podcast uh, and that took me like, I mean, it just, it was so hard. It's like red, red, I, I think I saw somewhere it was like red pill, blue pill, like very matrixy because yeah. once you see yep. the truth, you can't unsee it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to unsee it because yeah, same here. it's yeah. so hard. Yeah. Like I had gone through the temple. I got married in the temple. I, you know, wore the Jesus panties for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean, to be raised in the church and to to be that in to where you, you make those covenants and then realize it's not true, but your family still believes and your children are still being taught. Uh, it's a very difficult position to be in. For um, sure. So anyway, like I, I finally just, you know, realized that the church wasn't true and then got sick and tired of the Mormons coming over and trying to re-fellowship me um, and then started listening to your podcast. And then my dad passed away and it was like just full on crisis mode. Like I was I was drinking heavily at the time. I was extremely depressed. I, I just... I wasn't eating. I was back to the bulimia. I was back to, you know, controlling food intake and just, I couldn't deal. And I had so much anger and guilt and shame and fear inside me. Mm -hmm. 
um, because I didn't know what was going to happen in the next life. And I was like, what if it's true? What if it's true? And I'm turning my back on it now. Um, but then, you know, listening to your podcast helped me more than anything because it was like, I was able to look at it in a funnier light, which is the way I handle the stress is, you know, through humor. Like I, I am not, I'll laugh at myself all the time um, <laughs> and uh, make fun of a really not so appropriate situation, but that's just how I deal with stress. And you guys helped me through that. And then finally there was this one night where you, I listened to a podcast where you guys were talking about the, um, the law firm that you can send oh, that, yeah. that will take care of removing your name. And I did it that night. <gasps> and oh. I was just like, I, I was so scared. And you know, my mom doesn't know, she's definitely a true believing Mormon. And, you know, my siblings don't know, literally nobody knows. Wow. (gasps) The missionaries came over thinking that I was a (gasps) non-member to my children. Right. So they came Uh over and they were like, we're just checking on you, introducing ourselves. And I was like, I know who you are. (laughs) I I said, I was, I was in the church. And, you know, I, I went to the church. I went to the temple. I said, I'm not a member anymore. And they said, Oh, well, can we ask why? And I said, I did research. <gasps> oh my and God. These poor boys, they were like shell shocked. These two little blonde boys on my porch. <laughs> they were like, research. Oh, okay. And I said, I won't go into detail. I said, but I, I know it's it's not true. Um, I prayed about it and I know it's not true. I didn't really, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't pray to anything, but um they said, well, what do you want your relationship to be with the church? I said, I don't want one. I said, I'm, I want no contact. I said, if my children want it, that's fine. I said, but as far as I'm concerned, please don't send anybody to, to fellowship me. Um, so. That's good for you. I, I actually have like daydreams about running into missionaries or having them come knock on my door and like what I would say and how I would handle it. And you handled it like pristine. Love it. (laughs) And I was very nice to them because it's not their fault. No. And they're so young. Yeah. Yeah. But to go to circle back to um, my ex telling me I couldn't go pro with cycling. He was right. I didn't. But I did create a pro women cycling team, which I think is even better. And it's amazing. I see it on your social media, and every single time you post about it, I am just, like, overwhelmed with pride for you. Like, as in, I'm just so proud of what you've done and you've accomplished. And it's it's incredible. And you can see how you're impacting so many people's lives and so many women's lives. And it's just a really amazing experience that you allow us to be a part of, even if it's just through social media. Um, and I definitely feel honored to just know you virtually and hopefully one day in person as well, because it's something you should 100% be proud of. And don't be humble, Kelly. Take that <laughs> shit out of the door. Well, you know? it's very hard because it's like people say, hey, it's amazing what you've done with the team, um, Team Wolfpack. And the reason it's called Wolfpack is because I took three Facebook quizzes to find out what my spirit animal was (laughs) and two out of three said a wolf the third said orangutan and I thought the wolf would make a better tattoo (laughs) orangutan I I was just like "Mm, can't can't do that so it kind of developed into I was the the mama wolf and then it developed into wolf um 
yeah. So I was saying something and I completely forgot what I was saying. Sorry, it was me interrupting you to brag about how amazing you are. And no, oh, no, wolf no. Pack. Yes, yeah, that actually does remind me because people will compliment me on that. And I'm like, I've just been really lucky. And I'll say, you know, it's just the girls that I have on the team. And they're like, no, it's it's you. Like, you literally did this. But it's very hard for me to accept that and to um, to be confident and to say, yeah, you know what? I did this thing because I don't know how. And that's something that just goes back to to my youth, and mm-hmm. um, also just not knowing really how to have like real human relationships sometimes, because I feel like everything's contingent upon something else. Like in the church, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you're blessed. But if mm. you don't, then you don't get blessings. Um, so it's it's affected me as far as like friendships go because and I said that before I feel like people won't like me unless I'm providing something Mm. um some sort Uh. of something to the relationship and you know I've had relationships in the past that have definitely overemphasized that that have you know been that way but it's very hard as a 40 year old woman to not have confidence in yourself that you as a person are worth being a friend you know being friends with that it's what I have to bring to you and I blame the church for that and you should and I think that's rightly so and I know you've probably heard this a thousand times but I'm going to keep saying it to you for the rest of our virtual friendship which hopefully will be many many years Kelly you are worthy like a hundred percent you are worthy of being loved of being honored of being just an incredibly amazing person who, first of all, you're so brave for even sharing your story. Like this whole time, I have felt the the spirit burning in my bosom, warm <laughs> and say, where I've honestly, I, I I've been in tears on and off, like just thinking because your story yeah. relates yeah. to me on so many levels, and you spoke so eloquently, and just I'm I'm amazed and I'm impressed and I feel very fortunate to have this experience with you and to have you on our show and like I know listeners are going to feel the same way but your story is going to be something that after we record I'm going to continuously think about and yeah. it's going to be a source of comfort for me and a source of empowerment and courage because the things that you talk about are things that we experience on a day-to-day basis it's something that you get through but you still have moments of of doubt and of these reoccurring feelings of not feeling like you're worthy enough. And I've had them this week. And this topic is not at all what I thought, honestly, going into today's episode that we would talk about. And I just feel like Celestial Jesus blessed us today because it was like (laughs) what I was thinking about and what I needed to hear. I needed to hear everything that you said. And I'm saying this from a very selfish point of view and that you helped me on a personal level and I just know that your bravery and you telling the story is going to impact so many people yeah. and it's just going to keep growing. Thank you. 1000%. I agree. Yeah. I had, I honestly didn't think this was going to go this way either, but I needed to hear a lot of the things that you said. I felt I, I relate so much to the honesty that you've shared. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, like you said, 
don't talk about this kind of thing. It's really hard to be that vulnerable, but truly thank you because, wow, I'm, yeah, definitely touched. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know what Joseph Smith said, that <laughs> if you have weaknesses and you're humble, <laughs> turn into strength and can help people. Oh, God Jay- bless J-Dog. Oh, <laughs> you want to know something? I did pull up, Kelly, um, your email that you originally sent to us, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was almost two years like ago. Two years ago, yeah. And um, your best, well, you had, the, the email was ama- amazing, but at the end, the very end of the email you wrote, and you can totes use my name because fuck you, J-Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I've remembered that ever since you sent it. It's so perfect. <laughs> yep. That's what I should get underneath oh, the Ether 1227. Fuck you, J-Dog. <laughs> <laughs> you should get that over your tattoo or just like an there extension. You go. There yeah. you go. Oh, well, that was, yeah, is that everything? I don't want to cut you off too soon. Oh, there's so much, but, like, I know that it's limited to an hour, and we don't need to go into all the other issues of my life, thanks to the Mormon Church. Well, Um, it's nice to hear that, you know, you're, you've, it seems like you've just grown so incredibly much. I think that gives, it can give a lot of people a sense of hope if they were experiencing or are experiencing something that you've been through in your past, like a sense of hope to look at you and listen to your story and be like, look, it gets better. And you can do it. Like I didn't, I didn't get help from the church to overcome some of the, the worst um, monsters and demons that I had in my life. I did them on my own. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need anything. You can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to pray and give thanks and gratitude to God or Celestial Jesus, because in reality, you got through this yourself, Kelly. Celestial Jesus was out doing God knows what. <laughs> he wasn't around, you know. He was. He was helping. He was helping Karen find her car keys. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was helping Karen find find her Instagram account so that she can come onto our account and call us chubby spinsters. That's the celestial <laughs> Jesus. He was blessing her because she was praying celestial Jesus. I forgot my Instagram account, but I really need to call them chubby spinsters. And we're so blessed because yeah. we now have that. And I'm, I love blessed. it. <laughs> you know, one of um, the few places that I actually felt like that burning in my bosom was in the most crazy place it was at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting oh wow yeah like that was the first time I ever felt like there was something greater was at an AA meeting amazing never felt it at church (laughs) or the temple exactly I never felt it at the temple and when after I left the church the first time I felt it which I found so hilarious and ironic was in Greece at a ruin. It was like Apollo's temple, a ruin of his, like a ruin. And I was like, I'm, you know, everything that the church stands against, you know, mythology (laughs) and like multiple gods and stuff. And I was just like, wow, I have this like burning in my bosom, but it had nothing to do with anything religious. It was just an Mm -hmm. overwhelming feeling that I had and being in an incredible place. So yeah, no, definitely. We're taking back the burning in the bosom. It's not just for the momos. No, (laughs) No. we're taking it back. (laughs) All right, Kelly. Well, I think that 
that does it. We'll wrap it up. But thank you so much for being our guest. We really enjoyed it. Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much, you guys. And keep keep doing this podcast because you're changing lives. Oh, thank you. Stop it. My bosom can't burn anymore. (laughs) My boobs are on fire. I know. I need some ointment. Stop it. (laughs) All right, listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.